But my tendency is to go, why God? And, and to give God credit for all of the bad things. Mm-hmm. And then when things are going good, right? When things are, man, this is this thing worked out and this worked out, I quickly go to, what did I do to cause this? What did I do to create this? Um, theologically, to give us just kind of a, a framework for understanding life, um, if it's good, it's from God. Welcome to the Loving God, Loving People podcast, where we talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus in our everyday lives and how, in the end, all that matters is God and people. Here's today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today, Chad, I want to talk about the triumphal entry of Jesus. And uh, before we do that, because we talked about hair a little while ago, Chad, what kind of product do you use in your hair? (laughs) Really? (laughs) So I'm just going to tell you, So I've had more conversations with people in the last two weeks who are like, man, it was so great when you guys talked about when Chad started asking you about your hair growing out long and all that. I'm like, did you hear anything else we said that on the podcast? The yeah. Did you hear us talk about following Jesus or any of that? And they're like, man, that was great. Uh, so Chad. Well, that's like, well, now there's a, a young woman on our team that does most of my social media, but used to, when I was doing it, like a picture of my dog, I'd have like a thousand likes uh-huh. and then some beautiful quote yeah inspirational right, that hopefully helped life better understand who yep. jesus is nothing yeah but a picture of my dog viral <laughs> yeah, that's how well let's give the people what they want so what kind of product are you using in your hair these oh, days oh man it's uh it's like a it's in a green uh green tree <laughs> uh there were green. there were no sponsorships in this podcast it's like it's like, <laughs> it's like a hair wax a hair paste and a little green jar well, it's I've looking used great. It forever. Yep. My hair will be shorter here in a couple of weeks. I'm tired okay. of it being long. Okay. Well, we've enjoyed it. There's a bunch of people right now that have gone, thank the Lord. Does well, that guy not I, have I, a mirror? I was hoping one day you'd show up in a ponytail, but we're not, I guess that's not going to happen. Well, so, yeah, I'm not well. that secure. <laughs> All right. So back to the topic. Here we are talking about the triumphal entry of Jesus. Here's where, <laughs> here's where I want to go. Here's where I want to go with this. Um, uh, we celebrate this. If you've, if you've been around church. I, I just want to say, um, Jesus probably had great hair. At least he does in all the pictures that I've seen in Catholic churches. Mm-hmm. It's long, flowing yep. 1970s. He's got like wings in his hair. Do you remember wings? I've never once seen a painting of Jesus with like flyaway hairs, right? Like it's, where it's just kind of out there or whatever. Up, it's for sure. Up. Good he products. Looks good. Yep. Looks good. Probably not true to how it actually was. He probably had flyaway hairs. I'm just well, going to go all the way there. Yeah, Bible says he's physically unattractive. So. Yeah, there wasn't anything that was like, whoa. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's just normal. But, man, he's got great hair in the paintings. Yep, sure does. So he enters into Jerusalem. <laughs> I'm going to keep bringing it back. Uh, as he's, he's now, it's, it's Passion Week. If you're not familiar with church or you didn't grow up around church, this is, a, this is what we call Palm Sunday. Yeah. Um, and it's the triumphal entry. And this is when Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. And it, it's kind of this kickoff to Passion Week. Um, at the end of the week, he's going to be crucified. He's going to be in the tomb. On the third day, he's going to uh, resurrect. And that's what we celebrate on Easter. So it's the week prior to Easter. And it's what's called the triumphal entry. And he makes this entry into Jerusalem. And there's this prophecy that's fulfilled. There's actually a couple prophecies being fulfilled in this moment and people are shouting out hosanna god save us save us now and and there's this great crowd and they're throwing down cloaks and they're waving palm branches and all of that and the religious leaders are freaking out and all of this is happening here's where i want to i want to take the conversation today because uh, we can highlight that and go wow that was this great moment um people were really disappointed in how this turned out 
They, they were thinking Jesus was showing up to overthrow the Roman government in Jerusalem, uh, to bring in a new political era for the, for the people of, of Israel. Um, and in Mark's account, we have different accounts in the different gospels. All four gospels talk about this. And Mark's account says Jesus showed up, kind of looked around and went, yeah, I'm going to go back to, to Bethany or whatever, and I'm going to leave the city. And he goes and he spends the night in, in Bethany, and he kind of does nothing. And then uh, people are going, wait. What what happened to that whole savior marching into the city? And then he kind of looks around and then he he leaves and people are disappointed. They had an expectation and Jesus didn't meet the expectation. Um, I think that's so insightful, Robert. Um, and and just to reiterate what you said a moment ago, so so people understand when they're saying Hosanna, they're saying save us, mm-hmm. uh, save us now. And yeah, they're looking for a political savior. Not much has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, because even, you know, wherever you are politically, we're still looking for a political savior. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like um, Christians at large are still looking for a political savior. And that's not the way Jesus chose to to do it. Yeah. So all the people were disappointed. Yeah. And if I think back on the, the ministry of Jesus, there's times that the disciples are like, hey, people are waiting for you to come here. And Jesus is like, yeah, we're not going there. We're going to this town instead. Yeah. Or the crowds go to the other side and they're like, do another miracle. And Jesus is like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Or, hey, my kid's dying. Or, hey, Lazarus is dying. Hey, would you come heal him? And he shows up and they're dead. And it's like, Jesus, you were supposed to do this. There was all this expectation. There was all this shooting on, on Jesus <laughs> Everybody happening. Everybody shoulds on God. Yeah. yeah. And, and he didn't always meet expectations. So, Chad, as you've been following Jesus for years, you're a pastor, right? And you, you know, you, people maybe have this expectation of, well, God takes care of pastors because of this and this and this. Has there ever been a time in your life when maybe you had expectations on God? Uh, and he didn't meet those expectations. And and how do you wrestle through that? Not as a pastor, but just as a follower of Jesus. That's such a good question. Um, yeah. So you're asking me, have I ever been disappointed with God? Yeah. And the answer is yes. Yeah. Uh, because my biggest problem with God is I'm not him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he doesn't do what I want him to do. And I, I think, um, you know, it's just, I, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. And again, kudos to you for uh, just the insightful way of looking at that passage of Scripture, because I think a lot of us in church tradition, oh, it's palm branches, let's give the kids palm branches. But but the whole lesson there is what if God doesn't do what you want him to do? Mm-hmm. What if instead of taking over, uh, he dies on a cross? What What if his plan is totally different than your plan? Yeah. Uh, and most likely it is because God can see what we can't see. He knows what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And we have to decide whether or not we're going to trust him. Just last night, um, I'm in a new alpha group. And I just sat and listened to people's struggles with faith. And underneath it all uh, is we're disappointed with God. Mm-hmm. And we struggle in the realm of faith when we're disappointed with God because he didn't do what we wanted him to do. And so, oh, he must not be real, mm-hmm. you know, which logically doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But all of us are coming at this faith thing, regardless of how smart we think we are or how intellectual we think we are. We're coming at faith relationally. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people's biggest questions of faith don't have to do with their intellect. Mm-hmm. It has to do with their frustration that God didn't do what they wanted him to do. Yeah. Because if he's good and if he's great, why didn't he do my plan? 
Yeah. Right? Because obviously if he was good and he could do it, then he would have done this. So he must not be good or he must not be great. And have I ever struggled with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Right? I had to think to myself, have I struggled with it today? Uh Uh-huh. Maybe, briefly. But there have been seasons in my life when I was so mad at God. Um, And I thought God was so unfair because I was doing the right thing and I was trying to, you know, walk his road and my life blew up anyway. Yeah. Has there ever been a time in your life like that? Oh, yeah. And I, I'm thinking even recently, there's times that I've I've prayed for things. And in my mind, I'm going, okay, I know God can. I know he's capable of healing this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my opinion, he should. Th- this would be good for humanity. This would be good for God, his family. God, it's this good PR be, for you. That's right. Why exactly. wouldn't you heal him? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then that person still dies. Um, and so I can think of recently this happening. And and again, you have to wrestle with that and go, okay. Um, but if I were to zoom way back, so I'm, I'm already getting ahead of myself here, but if I zoom way back, uh, God did heal that person because that person put their trust in Jesus. And so there there is something bigger than just what I see in the moment, which is really hard because all I can see is what I can see in the moment. And, and so to zoom out, to think bigger picture Let's let's go back to Israel because it's easier to talk about 2,000 years ago and this group of people because I don't know them, because I wasn't there, because I wasn't the one oppressed by the Romans. And going to walk through in 70 AD, you have the destruction of Jerusalem and you have a lot of people killed and you have you know the temples destroyed and, and all of that. And it got worse for them, the oppression that they were experiencing as they're calling out Hosanna at, within that generation. They experienced even worse oppression and, and a lot of people died. Um, but then I go, okay – from a spiritual perspective, which is part of life's experience, it's part of reality, even if we can't see it, sense it, uh, this spiritual reality is still very much a reality, just like physical. So all of these people that are oppressed by Rome, well, they're even more trapped and oppressed and enslaved by sin. And so when Jesus enters into Jerusalem and, and kicks off this, this Holy Week, uh, which is going to culminate in him dying on a cross, paying the debt of our, our sin, he's paying the debt of the sin of those people, which is their greatest need in that moment. And for those who would put their trust in Jesus, they experience this new life that, that they still experience to this day. Um, so I can see it there, like looking back on time. Um, it's hard for me to see it in the moment when it's me going through something yeah. uh, to see a bigger picture of this reality of um, if something isn't good, then, then God's not done with it. Um, I, I will say this, this is, this is something I have to remind myself again and again and again, when bad things happen, because bad things happen in life and bad things happen in my life and bad things happen around me and bad things will happen in your life. Aren't you glad you're listening to the podcast? Uh, good things happen too, by the way. Um, but my tendency is to go, why God? And, and to give God credit for all of the bad things. Mm-hmm. And then when things are going good, right? When things are, man, this is this thing worked out and this worked out, I quickly go to, what did I do to cause this? What did I do to create this? Um, theologically, to give us just kind of a, a framework for understanding life, um, if it's good, it's from God. James says every good and perfect gift comes from, from God. So if something is good in your life, that's from God. Um, Excuse the the language here. Uh, if my grandma's listening, she's going to be upset. Uh, if it sucks, it's from sin, right? So if it's good, it's from God. If it's something that stinks or it's like, man, that's bad, that ultimately, and it's not just 
my sin. It's sin in general. There, there's an effect on all humanity and all creation that comes from that, but we, we reverse it often. And we give God credit for all the bad things, and we take credit for all the good things when it's actually the opposite. Well, the problem with God, there's several. Mm-hmm. The problem with God is we are not puppets on strings. Mm-hmm. He is sovereign. He is all-powerful, but he has chosen in the context of his creation to give us free will. So he allows us to make our choices. Mm-hmm. And he allows us to experience the consequences of those choices. Now, the opposite of that would be, well, why didn't he just control everybody and make everything nice and neat? And, you know, there's no, well, then there would be no love. Mm -hmm. Uh, There would be no truth. Um, The greatest attribute of God would just be his power. Mm -hmm. Love allows free will. But the problem of free will is. Which meaning. If you are if you are forced to love me, that's not actually love. There, there's choice involved in. Well, no, in true there would love. be no love. There yeah. would just be control. Yeah, and love is not about control. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that again. Love is not about control. Um, and and therein therein lies the rub because I'm going to reap the consequences of my own poor decisions, and I'm also going to reap the consequences of everybody else's poor decisions. Mm-hmm. I'm going to reap the consequences of my good decisions and mm-hmm. I'm going to reap the consequences of everybody else's good decisions. Let's go good. Um, I got up and drove to the church today on a paved road. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, I didn't pave that road. Somebody else did that. Yep. And I'm reaping the benefit. Yep. Right. I got in a car that I didn't build or put together, and I don't understand or know how to do that. Yep. I'm reaping the consequences of somebody else's abilities and skills. That's free will. Okay. At the same time, there's things in my life that you could put me in the realm of victim. I'm reaping the consequences of somebody else's decisions. Mm-hmm. Well, if you ripple out the reality of free will, that's why the world is so broken. Mm-hmm. That's why we can trace it all the way back to everything was perfect mm-hmm. until Adam and Eve uh, decided to trust themselves and the voice of another other than God. And so free will begins. Yep. Boom. And we, we stepped out of it. And thus we have consequences. And then you have Jesus where everybody's going, be a political leader, right? Vote, yep. vote for Jesus. Yep. Um, and he goes a different route. But but here's the brilliance of what's going on behind the scenes. There is no government law. There is no program. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no business that can make a product, no government that can make a law, no kingdom set up in, in the con- context of mankind that will change the human heart. Mm-hmm. Nothing can do that. Can't legislate it. Other mm-hmm. than what Christ did on the cross and through his resurrection. And suddenly... My free will changes mm-hmm. because I understand the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God. And in response to that. Now I can receive his spirit and experience internal transformation. I don't follow him because he makes me. Mm-hmm. I follow him because of who he is. Yeah. And who he is radically changes me. Um, he moves into my life. I allow him in my own free will to begin to work on, from the inside out. But I don't do what God says because he makes me do it. I do what God says because I want to do it in response to who he is and what he's done for me. And this is at the core of biblical Christianity. And this is the thing that most people don't understand. Mm-hmm. 
Thus, the frustration of the triumphal entry is we wanted you to put the Jews back in charge. We mm-hmm. wanted you to overthrow the Romans. We wanted, and Jesus is like, I got a different kingdom. Yeah. And my kingdom is so much better than what you're expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, pray my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But one day, right, he will come down and throw down and he'll wipe it out for all time, all evil for all time. But in the meantime, we're practicing the kingdom. And it's so frustrating because we still live in the context of a broken world where there's free will and all of those things. Yeah. yeah. And so we shake our little bitty tiny fist in the massive face of an almighty God. You know, you didn't do what I wanted you to do. Yep. Um, but yeah, he's got bigger things going on. I do find it and, in. And, and okay. Yeah. So right now, right, we can talk about these things so objectively. Yeah. But it's not emotionally satisfying if you're going through a difficult time. 100% agree with that. Yeah. I cut you off. Excuse me. No, it's it's it, another interesting observation is that people are crying out, God save us, God save us. And um, save us now is there, there's an immediacy to it. Um the, God, the, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. <laughs> that's right. I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. I, so this jumped out at me, and I, I hadn't noticed this before. So them them crying out, the time that this is happening, this is during the Jewish holiday of Passover. So this is the, the central event of redemption in the Old Testament. And at the time, if you go back to when the Israelites are enslaved in Egypt, the people are crying out to God, and God hears their cry. And so... He calls Moses and God says, hey, I'm going to I'm going to rescue my people. I've heard their cry. I've heard them saying, hey, we're oppressed. It's been hundreds of years that they've been oppressed under Egyptian rule. So God says, I'm going to I'm going to show some signs. I'm going to do some miracles and then I'm going to rescue you out of the most powerful empire and, and I'm going to make my name known in this place. And so the people, they're telling this story, right? They're, they're reliving that story. Passover is a reliving of that story. Jesus shows up. They're crying out to God. They're going, it's Passover again, like the real thing. Jesus does miracles like Moses he's did. He's been doing – exactly. Yeah. So he's been doing all of these signs, all of these miracles. And by the way, his miracles are even better than Moses' miracles, which – who does better miracles than Moses did, right? And now he's he just rose a guy from the dead. Like this guy, Lazarus, people have been talking to him going, you were dead. And now you're like, he he's the next level Moses. So they have this huge expectation. And again, God's going to, he's going to more than meet. He's going to exceed all of their expectations. The worst thing God could have done in this moment is give everybody exactly what they wanted. Because it wouldn't have changed anything in the in the realm of eternity. Well, and look how far it goes, right? So a week later, it goes from save us now. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're not who we thought you were. Less than a week later, you didn't even you didn't yeah. even, you didn't do what we wanted you to do. Crucify him. Yeah, it, we went from Sunday to Thursday. We didn't even get to the weekend. How how fickle we are, right, mm-hmm. as human beings? And so, okay, journey of faith. Oh God, you didn't do what I wanted you to do. Mm-hmm. I'm out. Yeah, I don't believe in you. Um, oh, you want me to behave that? No, I'm going to behave this way. And you didn't do what I wanted you to do. So I'm out. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we are exactly the same. Yeah. Um, and yet the God of the universe is walking a path of suffering mm-hmm. so that if we'll just trust him, even though we can't see what he sees, we don't know if we'll just trust him. Mm-hmm. Right. He'll, he'll save us forevermore. Yeah. No, that's a that's a great point because so many times God makes a promise to somebody, whether – let's go back to Moses. All right, Moses, you're going to do this thing. Well, 40 years later, now here he is and, sure. and God's doing exactly what he said he would do. Hey, Abraham, 
or Abram, change his name to Abraham. Uh, you're going to be a great nation. Dude's like a hundred years old going, how about now? Like now is this happening yet? Like how, how much longer am I going to wait? Um, our timeline and God's timeline don't look the same, but the, the promises of God, and this is what I think is so important for us when we are in those moments that we're going through the difficult time, we're going, God, I wish you would change everything right now in this moment, the way that I want it. Uh, the promises of God are so massive that to, to pause, to zoom out, to go, okay, what has God promised me? Okay. At some point, all that's wrong and and I love the way I forget which author it is. Everything that that's bad is going to become untrue. Um, it's Tim Keller. Tim Keller, yeah. And I think he might be quoting. I don't uh, know if it's C.S. Lewis Tolkien. or Tolkien. There you go. Yeah, it's it's the Lord of the Rings idea that mm-hmm. uh, everything's sad. Well, it's it's Jesus's mm-hmm. idea. It's Jesus's mission, right? That every everything sad is going to become, uh, like you said, un untrue. Um, it's going to be it's going to be made right. I um I, I was watching an interview, and it was a scientist, and uh, he didn't believe in God, right? So the interviewer says, well, why don't you believe in God? And this is the argument he makes. Uh, well, God is either not all-powerful or he's not all-good. Hmm. And he gives the one example, right? Because if he's all-powerful, then why would bad things happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, then that must mean he's not all-good. Because bad things happen. And so that whole thing just cancels out God, right? And and the audience cheers because mm-hmm. that's so brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there watching it, at least in their minds, and I'm going, you're, you're supposed to be a super smart scientist, and that's the best you came up with? Mm-hmm. Okay? Because if there were a being that transcends time, that transcends physical creation— and, and, and looks and looks down on it. And the being loves us. You're telling me you've never thought free will? You've never thought that maybe we mess things up? Mm-hmm. You've never thought that maybe this is a relational thing? Your whole deal is if God were really God and great and good, he'd have made us all robots? That's your brilliant answer? Mm-hmm. And what we do is we simplify this beautiful, complex mystery that is God and grace and all these things. And, yep. and you know— <laughs> There's thousands of reasons to believe in God, and everybody's looking for one reason not to. Mm-hmm. And, and I so wish I wanted to be on that show in that moment and go, that's what you came up with, brilliant scientists? Mm-hmm. You know, and just start asking questions, right? But we're all looking for one reason not to believe, mm-hmm. and usually it's because God didn't do what we wanted him to do. And the triumphal entry is a, is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go and take over the Roman Empire. He goes to the cross and dies. Yeah. Oh, by the way, he defeats something bigger than the Roman Empire, which That's is right. death, hell, and the grave. That's right. Um, but we're very, very limited in our scope, and we're very, very finite. finite. And again, we like to shake our little fists in the massive face of an infinite God. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say what I say. If you don't understand... I was going to ask you to say it, <laughs> and you're doing it. If you don't understand, mm-hmm. uh, and you can't see his, his plan... Uh, then, then you, then you trust his heart. And if you want to know God's heart for you, you look at the cross. Mm-hmm. Well, I got questions in Genesis and Leviticus. And <laughs> me too. Mm-hmm. But this is the Creator of the universe that died for you, and He would have if you were the only one. That's the heart of God. And there's so many things that happen outside our scope to understand. But if you don't understand, you don't see his plan, you can't trace his hand, you trust his heart.
Yeah. Because he's great and he's good. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Loving God, Loving People podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this conversation, we'd love it if you rated the podcast and left us a review. Also, sharing this with a friend is a great way to help more people meet, know, and follow Jesus. And lastly, you are always welcome to join us online for one of our services every week at live.sv.cc or go to locations.sv.cc to join us in person at one of our physical locations. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.